Hey fam, what is up? It is Raul here today, and today I am talking to a good friend. Uh, her name is Megan. Megan? Megan? Fuck. Megan. Her name is Megan. I know, her, I know what her name is. I know what your name is, Meg. You probably listen to the podcast. Uh, I just thought it'd be funny if I did the whole, like, I don't know how to say your name. I know how to say your name. So, today I'm speaking with Megan. That was a terrible joke, by the way. Oh, I'm... I shouldn't be allowed to do these things. Um, so today I'm talking to Megan Cassidine. Uh She is a good friend and I wanted to have her on for a couple of reasons. One, we had a great chat, which I knew we would. She is a character. She is very good at dialogue, talking, describing things. Like when she when she talks, I really feel inclined to want to listen. Uh, but today we are having her on the business segment because, um, you know, she's just recently started a uh, mortgage broking business. And I thought it'd be cool to highlight what she's doing. And um, like myself, uh, I didn't know what a mortgage broker was really until I met Meg. Or I didn't realize how I could utilize one. And, you know, I think there's probably other people out there who are maybe stuck in the same sort of position. And, um, yeah, I thought this might be a good episode that you might be interested in. But if you're not interested in business-related things, then maybe this episode is not the episode for you. Uh, she's great. She's lovely. She's probably literally like one of the, um, you know, nicest people I've, I've, I've met. Uh, she has been so nice to me over the years and, um, and I really appreciate the friendship that I have with her. Um, probably one of the nicest things she's ever done. And like, I really need to throw this out there because, you know, um, it was pretty, <sighs> like, it's probably one of the most selfless acts that, um, I've had someone do for me. And I've had lots of people do very nice things for me, but this is my chance of finally getting to thank you publicly, Meg. Uh, but essentially I was in a pretty bad car crash. Uh, when was it? Maybe like a year. Yeah. About a year ago now, almost just under a year. And, um, I was really badly injured. I was pretty badly injured really. Um, uh, and I also, you know, completely, I lost my car, um, in the process and I was carless. And, um, I just, this is during COVID when the gym was closed and I had just started working because the gyms were closed and I needed a car to be able to get to work and um, Meg very selflessly offered her car, um, one of her cars, uh, lent it to me, no questions asked and, um, you know, I don't know, and just said like you can borrow it for as long as you need till you were able to sort yourself out and, you know, I don't know, like I just really appreciate what she did for me. Um, so Meg, you're, you're a very special person and I wish you nothing but good karma your way. Uh, you deserve everything and more. All right. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, yeah. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please head on over to iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to it, just like it, rate it, give it a review, tell people about it. If you can share it, that'd be awesome. Maybe on your Insta or your socials. And, um, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so at Raul, R-A-U-L-C-F-D-U on Instagram. You can follow the podcast at Better You Project Podcast on Instagram. And um, yeah, right now we're finally on Spotify. So maybe you're listening to the to this on Spotify, which would be cool. All right, next week, lots of other uh, interviews and guests coming on. And I'm really excited about it all. The ball's really moving. And yeah, hopefully we can um, double our listeners and maybe get to break the 200 people mark soon. All right. Thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode with Meg Kalsanin. I think one of the best things that I've, I did a few years ago was I started realizing that I am not my beliefs. Yeah. So we all have beliefs and we think things, but those things aren't. Like, that's not me. That's something that's interchangeable. Yeah. It's like my clothes. Like, my clothes aren't me. No. Like, I could be dressed really cool. They evolve. Like, today yeah. I've got this no hater shirt. And at the back it says, um, haters gonna hate, which is true. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> Can't do nothing about that. Yep. But tomorrow I might be, like, you know, wearing um something less cool than this. <laughs> Regardless of whether I have a cool shirt or not, it doesn't actually change whether I'm cool or not. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, or whether I'm a good person or a bad person. And... A few years ago, I realized that, and this is kind of, to some people listening, maybe they'll hear this and they'll realize, duh, like you're an idiot, of course. Mm. But to me, I realized all the things that I didn't really like hearing that people said about me, I probably didn't like hearing them because they were true. 
they just didn't match the view that I had of myself. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that maybe the view of my, that the view that I have of myself is not an accurate view of who I am. And it's actually maybe a collection of what I think and they think and a whole bunch of things. And that, that's essentially what this lady was saying. That's and it true. was, and it was like this big, like, Oh my goodness. Right. So now every time somebody has criticism, like, and, like a normal person, I'll emotionally respond a lot of the time, right? If I'm really close to that person, maybe I'll respond not well. But if I'm not, I'll just bite my tongue and listen to what they say and then go home, cry a little bit and then think about, mm-hmm. okay, there's maybe there's some truth to that. Yep. What was one of the first things someone said to you that made you realize that maybe you didn't see yourself as you other people see you? And we've just gone like straight into yeah, the deepest part of the ocean. No, like, I know. Um, hope you can swim. I don't know. Well, I'm feeling like I'm going to really struggle to answer that. But I guess what something you said that I kind of want to double back on that may explain how I feel about that question is that when I explain it to my kids, like you said, are you a good person or are you a bad person? And... I try to explain it to my kids that people aren't inherently good or inherently bad. Um, But people tend to pick on how to act on one side of themselves more than another. And that can change at any given time, right? Um, Which is why I don't really believe in cancel culture. Because I think we all have different times in our lives where we're more motivated by certain things. And that might... And I... Okay. We can delve into this topic, right? Because I... We're <coughs> I always go back to the example of we live in a world right, right now where there is a culture of counselling people where people do a thing one time, whether it be really horrible or mediumly horrible or whatever, yep. and we decide, no, that person is not allowed to exist anymore. We want, the, them, we want their livelihood to stop and any wrongdoings they have done like to be righted. But uh, I've always really struggled with that because I myself am quite fluent and I've had lots of people in my life who've stuck with me through thick and thin Mm -hmm. but I also think of so many times in my life where I've known people who do maybe things that are not inherently good but that one action I know is not an actual reflection of their entire being it's kind of like a child when they're growing up they do people make mistakes right Mm -hmm. some mistakes are worse than others but uh, I think someone's true character of them, of who they are, is how they respond. And I think yep. we, I think we almost knew this a few years ago. Like a true character is not pointing fingers. It's how do you respond to somebody making a mistake to your life, and then you handling that right. Like, and I think, you know, um, we all have had parents in our life or parent figures who treated us well. Whether maybe you didn't have parents growing up, but maybe you had a good role model to some degree who. Um, believed in you despite maybe your wrongdoings or mistakes and that's the thing that I think actually really shapes the world and I think so much of that is has gotten lost lately yeah and unfortunately a lot of people don't have that um, support and that can shape people and that's why people who are disadvantaged tend to be the people who have more problems and drama in their lives but conversely, there's always great stories of people who come from adversity and, of and course. triumph and things like that as well. So, I mean, it's such an interesting topic, really. You could go on about it for days because it's, you know, nature versus nurture and all those different things. Um, and as you, like as a parent, I kind of think about those things all the time. How much of my influence uh, do I actually have over my kids and all the time I spend and how much of it is just their personality and other things that will shape and change their lives. And um, yeah, it's always a funny thing, I think, for mums in particular, because you have this baby and you carry it for nine months and you just are constantly trying to protect it. And as soon as it's born, it's like, oh my God, all of a sudden it's not in your control anymore. And it's a really steep learning curve. And um, I think parenting is actually teaching that child to not be so connected to you which is really difficult and it's almost counterintuitive but that's what growing up is deep thoughts with bag <laughs> <laughs> um no i i think um what you said is is 100 percent um on the ball and i think that's probably every parent's uh, really challenging lesson to learn and i think that's where and it's a fine line right because some parents don't care at all and then some parents care too much and it's just finding that nice middle line 
Yes. And like you said, a child will, I think, you know, scientifically it's been shown, like, they will still have their own personality. Like, uh, I think nurture does play, this happens all the time, right? Like, you'll have two, um, you know, have twin brothers or twin sisters, siblings. Yeah. And they, yeah, one of them is super successful, becomes a CEO, millionaire, billionaire, whatever. Other brother, not couldn't do it. Like, yeah. and they both grew up in the same situation. Like, some can make nothing out of the lack of resources or vice versa. Then you have yeah. two siblings, super uh, super affluent families, you know, all the same resources, same thing. One of them makes the most out of it. One of them doesn't. Um, so, yeah, def- definitely an interesting topic. Um, I'd like to know where Meg was. I always have this, especially when I meet a lot of you guys who are members at my gym and I meet you when you're not older, but just a little bit older in your life. Um <laughs> And I don't meet you as like a teenager in my life. I, okay. I'm always wondering. No, I'm glad you clarified that. I'm yeah, like, yeah. you call me older. No. You know, I just had my 40th birthday. You better be careful. <laughs> um, um, I'm just staring the pot a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I, where was Meg when she was 18? And how does 18-year-old oh Meg God. get to this point? That should have been a taboo topic. <laughs> um, Were you in Canada? I was in Canada. If you couldn't hear, she's got the Canadian accent. Yeah. Um, when I was 18, I had blue hair. Blue hair? Yeah. Wow. I had my eyebrow pierced um, and my Madonna piercing. And I lived with my dad, who would have been 50 years older than me, so 68 at the time. Wow. Your dad's a lot older. Yeah. He's passed now. Um, he passed away when I was 25. Um, but he primarily raised me because my mom worked um, kind of remotely um, in northern Alberta as a um, principal for... Um, Calgary, Alberta? Um, more close... Well, Is actually that? further north than Edmonton, Alberta, but yeah, it's the, okay. same, it's the same province. So okay, yeah. our, my hometown's an hour and 10 minutes. This is me Calgary. just saying things to sound like I know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. I have no idea. No, a lot of people <laughs> are familiar with Calgary because of the 88 Winter Olympics. Okay, yep. yeah. And um, Cool Runnings was filmed in Calgary. There you go. Um, and actually, Mystery Alaska was filmed in my hometown. Um, and The Edge um, with Sir Anthony Hopkins. The Edge, yes, good film. And <coughs> Dances with Wolves was filmed just outside. Oh wow, all right. Yeah, so I could go on, I won't. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful, pi- picturesque place. And that's where I grew up with my dad. Um, he was retired, and so it was interesting because he was born in 1931. So um, his version of the world and mine were very different. Wow, that I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't spend lots of time thinking about your dad, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I <laughs> maybe know I you do. Um, yeah, wow, in the 30s, that's crazy. Yeah, so I guess at 18, the internet was just being kind of rolled out. Napster yep. was around. You were in the www. You were. Yeah. surfing the interwebs yes and uh my dad had no idea um computers when he was you know at s- teaching and that they were oversized calculators essentially so um i remember you told me this once your dad was a pastor no that's my mom your mom okay yep. my mom um is a retired uh anglican priest okay yeah. so she still does a lot of work with the church and with uh, grief counseling and pal- palliative care. Um, so that would be intense. Uh, yeah, especially um, having to do it all on Zoom at the moment. Oh, ouch! <laughs> oh. yeah, but <laughs> she's great at it, and um, she supported a lot of the families um, in my hometown, and a lot of my friends or their parents who've um, yeah seen people over to the other side, so to speak. Um, but yeah, she's a lovely. Lovely lady, and as I said, she used to work um, in, uh, she was a principal for um, First Nations Canadians on the reserve. Mm-hmm. So um, a very different, more challenging style of teaching and things required there. So um, so blue hair. Blue hair. Pier- the Madonna piercing. Yeah. No, eyebrow piercing. Eyebrow piercing. Mum, who's an Anglican priest. And dad, yeah. who was well, born in she the was 30s. Going, yeah, she was going through seminary at the time. Okay. So yes, and then. So this this is. I all dyed very my dad's hair. Here's here's one for you. My, I dyed my dad's hair blue for his 69th birthday. Wow. Upon his request, because he wanted to get the church ladies talking. Okay. Very <laughs> nice. Very nice. <laughs> and I have a photo of that. Um, and I had what, rainbow. What color hair. did you dye it? 
his hair was blue, mine was rainbow. Okay, you went rainbow. You yeah. had to one up your dad. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't hard. <laughs> How did the juxtaposition of your rebellious nature go in your household? Um, my parents. Are you impressed that I used such no, a fancy word? I think, that, yeah. If, if you'd used it right, I would have been impressed. Oh, no, I'm just joking. Burn. <laughs> um, I'm just joking. Though. Um, I thought it was meant to be hot outside, not in here. <laughs> No, no. Uh, I was just trying to think. Um, oh, now I've caught myself <laughs> off track. Anyway. How did you go having blue hair? with? Yeah, ha- being rebellious. That was the question, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think my parents were pretty tired by the time I came around. And they just kind of let me do my own thing. Um, my mom would say things like, it's your hair. It's your body. You have to like it. So I actually appreciate that. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, what happened to the blue hair? Uh, I had, I had pink hair and I had red hair since I've been over here. When I got married in 2007, I had like fire engine red hair with black. Were we friends when I had red hair? Uh, potentially you've had some interesting choices of hair. (laughs) You know what? At least I, I'm losing my hair now. Yeah, I know what happens. And, um, I would, I would, I would go back and do more things with my hair if I, yeah, oh, my husband had a mohawk when I met him. See? And now he's shaved bald. So. He's got a beautiful skull. That's what he's got. <laughs> That's right. It's a tough life for bald men. Like, there's things you have to consider, you know. Like, he hits his head on the cupboard sometimes, and he's got no, <laughs> oh, hair, to, no hair to protect. <laughs> yeah. <and> so, um, <coughs> or, you know, even, like, sun's getting Exposure, sunburned and yeah. all that kind of stuff, mm. so all things you'll find out potentially. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it's funny. My, head, Sorry, my hairdresser, um, what's his name? George. Yeah. He probably will never listen to this. Uh, he is obviously onto some sort of scheme where like, he keeps, ju- that's right. He's trying to constantly sell me um, hair tattooing. Like apparently you can tattoo hair follicles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And because my hair is just thin at the top and I've still got hair, right? Yep. If I grew it off, I could probably literally come over it and you wouldn't even know. But he's like, but if you just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to anyone on the audio here, <laughs> Meg just gave me a very big cringy look. <laughs> no one's going to know, mister. <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, how much is he charging you for this? No, no. So, oh, this is like thousands of dollars that he is... Like this thing, it's a procedure, right? Like, um, and... He keeps trying to tell oh, me, like... Is it like microblading eyebrows? Because that would ki- really hurt. Kind of like that, but on your skull. Oh, on your whole head. I don't know. So he keeps saying, like, he's like, you just need, like, the hair tattooing, like, and you'll be fine. I'm like, oh, no. I, I hair just, tattooing. I just, I just, I, you know what? We you know I'm Googling this when I leave you, here today. You, you should look. Elon Musk wants to go to bloody Mars. I think we need to sort out hair on hey, the... Well, the, there was a Mars landing today. Was there? Yeah. The, the with pe- not people. Though, not no. people. No, that's no. what I mean. But, but that's still my big, point. It's like, still a big deal. Though. If, I, if I was him, I'd be trying to get hair on bald people first. <laughs> <laughs> Screw Mars. Like. I, I have an invention. I would like someone to invent okay. some sort of software or something that, or an application that I can put on my phone that will go through the 17,000 photos that I have on my phone, take out the duplicates, and just save... Ooh, the best that's photos. Good. That's good. And arrange them in a way that I can somehow make some sense of that because I've got a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. So by they the take time, lots of photos. well, by the time they're like eighteen, I'm going to have a hundred thousand <laughs> photos on my phone. We, we're going to divert into a subject here, one yeah. that I find really um, interesting. Uh, I've had several people. Several people. I did this to an ex-girlfriend. It's no longer my girlfriend. Um, I have I've I've gone through lo- lots of times in my life where I uh, haven't lost everything, but I kind of have lost all my belongings and started from scratch. Okay. And I've learned to not attach myself to things like photographs or videos or yeah. etc. And I also break my phone all the time, and I don't <laughs> upload things to the cloud. So I do take lots of videos and photos and things like that that I think are really important. And then what I've do you just mean you break your phone all the time. <laughs> It, it drops. I don't. I don't consciously. <laughs> it it's not. It's not like I put it on a table when I grab a hammer and I hit it and I'm like break. No, like they they break. This is probably this phone right now is probably lasted the longest. It's a, a phone has lasted, but it's also because iPhones are really expensive, and I'm taking probably a little bit more care of it. Mm-hmm. But 
it's happened to me a few times where I've lost everything. So I've detached myself from like yep. photos and things like that. Understood. So, you know, I think life, you should live it, see it. And, you know, that's it. But people are very funny about photos, right? <clears throat> my ex-wife all the time would say, I have no room in my phone to take a video of this. And I would be like, take, delete some things. And she's like, no, I can't. I can't delete it. It's too much everything there I need. I'm like, you have 18,000 photos. <laughs> you don't need those photos. Like, trust me. So, <clears throat> because I'm not a very nice person, I uh, have 100% probably done this to a few people where I've deleted their things. Um, and, like, there's That's that... That's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It is awful. I'm trying not to judge you right uh, now. You can judge me 100%. <laughs> I need to judge me. Oh, you, man. So, someone needs to judge me. I'd be devastated, but yeah. All right. But, okay, this is the thing, right? So, there's this initial like, oh. But then you realize, you know what? It would be fine. What would happen if all your photos got deleted? Now that I'm going to do that to you. I know. Meg starts grasping onto her phone yeah, really tightly. Well, I was just thinking I might have to hide that in a second. <laughs> um, it's, Yeah. Things I don't attach to, but I am very sentimental. Um, so memories. And I think photos are just such an easy way to put yourself back into a memory. Very true. Um, and so for me, because I've got all my kids' photos on there, that would be why I would yes, probably have very to murder you. Very different. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, uh, but I understand what but you're I saying. But I wouldn't do that to you. No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I've I moved from my parents' home, and I left with a suitcase, and I came to Australia, and I built from that suitcase because I never, I've never brought anything from Canada. Everything's just what whatever amassed over here. This is what I find really funny about people. <coughs> As a coach, I'm always thinking about how do I get people to uh, tap into their own potential and and maybe see. I think all I really want as a coach for people is to see that maybe I don't even believe in people. I just don't not believe in you. Like, it's like, it's like, can you do whatever you want to do? Yeah. I mean, why not? Like, I just, there's no judgment. There's almost just like no barrier to that. And what I find interesting is that a lot of people that do go through that whole starting from scratch thing, like you're you're fine like you can do it it can be done like you amass like an entire new empire of things like quite quickly yeah and it's so funny we attach ourselves to all these things yeah i still have a house full of stuff yeah. like everyone else <laughs> exactly <laughs> so what's one thing that you if you didn't if there was one thing that you couldn't detach yourself from outside of obviously like um people that you love what's one thing that you would that you would keep Mm. Um, well, I have, so, like, when there was the bushfires, um, about five years, six years ago at Humbug Scrub, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we kind of had to make a contingency plan because of where our house is. Um, and I took all the letters that my dad had sent me when I was over here. So, the first two years that I lived here, he would write me. Um, very religiously and he would include newspaper clippings from my hometown newspaper and stuff like that um, like I said I'm sentimental so I have I have everything I have little leather moccasins from when I was a baby I have um, a teddy bear you know just you things have, like you that you have all the things yeah I yeah, do that's I cute. do that's have very cute I do have things like that those are things that yeah, anything that's sentimental where I can have an, a, a memory attached to it. The teddy bear I got in London, it's a Paddington bear. My dad bought it for me. Things like that. Um, and now my son, he carried it around for six or seven years and now I've had to take it away from him because he's <laughs> just falling apart. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I think, like you said, people are probably at the root of all of it. All those things that I hold on to, it's because of memories of people. Yep. Yeah. What happened after Canada? How? What led you from Canada to Australia? <coughs> uh, well, I just came here for a working holiday. Um, I needed some space from the town that I grew up in and the person that I was over there. Okay, let's pause there. Yeah. Um, 
we live Adelaide. I would say is like a small city in the comparison of cities all around the world. Yeah. So it has because it's a small city. It probably has a lot of people who stay in the city for most of their life, and then they like live and die here. Yep. Would you agree, agree with that? that. Yep. yep. And. Uh, maybe more often in bigger cities, you have a collection of people who left from small cities to chase the big city, whatever that is, for opportunities. Um, that being said, Adelaide's very multicultural. It is. Mul- yeah, it, it is. And, uh, all of Australia is like right. built on like if immigration. You look at yeah, if you look at the second and third generation Australians, yes, a lot of them don't have the same world experience I find in Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've always thought it's very interesting to see the amount of growth that I see in people when they do, we were talking about beliefs before. People have these living beliefs about themselves. And I think something really negative in people's lives sometimes are other people's belief of you. And sometimes what I've observed, and I could be wrong, because I personally haven't done this myself, when you move away from a world where beliefs are set upon you, now you're free of them. You can actually really like explore who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I tend to agree with that. Um, I think when you're in your early 20s too, that's when you're trying to carve out your identity. And for me, it was like it was becoming predetermined and it wasn't what I thought for myself. And I'm really glad that I left because I I couldn't imagine what I'd be doing there right now. I wouldn't be doing the same job for sure. I don't know. What would you be doing? I am very afraid I would probably be working, you know, like in hospitality or something like that. That's a little bit, um, and uh, that's a terrible thing to say because I do have a lot of friends that work in hospitality. But just it's just not for me. It's somewhere that I would probably I've just got stuck. I wouldn't have I wouldn't push myself. I don't think. Um, and I mean now I own my own business. I think <laughs> I've realized that I can actually go that extra little bit further. And all the things that have led up to where I am now, it's just from having all those little moments of, you know, being afraid to death of the outcome and then doing it anyway. So moving across the world without my family, that was pretty scary. (laughs) What was the most, (coughs) what was the biggest difference between Canada and Australia when you first came? Oh. To you. It was like 10 years behind (coughs) at that time. Australia was. Couldn't even get a bagel back then. Still probably not easy to get a bagel. (laughs) You can get a bagel pretty much anywhere now, but you you? couldn't, yeah, you can get them in the supermarket. At the time, it was like, couldn't find uh, cilantro and couldn't find bagels. Yeah. Can't get those damn cilantro bagel sandwiches <laughs> that you love so much. Ooh, no, who wants a cilantro bagel? You know what cilantro is. Right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I only, but I only know because uh, cilantro is the same word of the vegetable in Spanish, in Spanish as it is. Spanish, I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, exactly, and that's why they use it in North America because yeah. it's Tex-Mex cuisine and Mexican cuisine yeah. and things like that. Um, bagels. How good are bagels? Bagels are pretty good. A good I, don't, I don't eat bagels very much okay. because they're so carby. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> well, I was like 20 at the time. You went I without bagels. bagels. You went without bagels now for I so long. Now I can't eat Maybe bagels you, anyway. No, I know. <laughs> Look, Meg, you can do anything you want to do, all right? I don't want <laughs> I'm sick of you putting these limitations on yourself. I can do, you believe that I can eat a bagel if I want to. Um, what's primarily different? Look, uh... Or what was different to you? Because that's a different question as well. well. What's the difference? You know, I think, and I always have to be careful when I Don't choose be careful. my words. Be, be I, reckless. I, I yeah, believe like. that it was much more conservative over here in certain ways, and I think it still is. I mean... I can say it for you. It's very conservative. <laughs> well, look... Sorry, um, sorry white Australia. I, I, yeah, well, I'm... Um, I'm an... Uh, LBGTIQ um, ally and I think that the ideals here and how long it's taken for us to even get where we are with um, the acceptance of people and I, I still think there's so far to come and in and in North America too don't get me wrong um, but 
it's just taking us a lot longer over here. Oh, 100%. And, um, my, uh, it's I my I uncle's birthday today. Yep. And, um, he's, uh, I won't say he's my favorite uncle, but he might be. And, um, yeah, it's his birthday today, and he's been married to his um, same-sex partner for at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that in itself. When was the terrible referendum that we had here? I think like it was 2017. Yeah, so three, four years ago. Where people were taking people's ballots out of their um, post boxes because they didn't want people to vote for yes for gay marriage. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, well, it was just crazy that they even put it out to the public to make that decision for the people. I don't. I think it was a really damaging way to go about things for, for young people primarily but anyway um hopefully we can learn from all these things um but yeah i think um i do joke that you know australia is kind of like going back in time but i think also there has been some amazing changes in the last 10 years or so in australia that's putting them further ahead um on the global stage um and i think our response to the pandemic is I think yeah I think we've <coughs> um, definitely been leaders in the handling of the pandemic um, in comparison to other places yep um, you can yeah you can talk to people in other countries and they'll be in agreement. and a lot of it's to do with government policy and you know even if people wanted to do certain things that just weren't supported by the government whether it be to lock down or um, to have rental assistance or um, I, I do have a lot of friends that work in hospitality back home and it's been really difficult for them to remain um, in lodging even and, and fed and things like that because it's just no safety net. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people in Australia don't realise about other governments in relation to COVID-19 and the pandemic where, yeah, I think a lot of people, <coughs> I think a really basic way of putting it, a lot of other countries were also put in lockdown or in lockdown type situations, but without any type of government assistance. Mm-hmm. So you're not allowed to work and you, there's no assistance. Like there was, there was, there was a lot of things that were implemented here that, um, I think were just basic things that I think should have implement should have should have been implemented throughout governments throughout the entire world. Yeah. The craziest thing is that um, mandated uh, quarantine for return travelers is only just being required or mandated in Canada. Like that should have been easily a year ago, but anyway. It's just decisions like that. I mean, if it have international airports and you're getting people coming from overseas and just releasing them out into the community. <laughs> anyway, we, um, we weren't going to talk too we much about COVID. We weren't, we weren't, we're, 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 we're veering off the, um, the Corona Cerveza. Yep. <laughs> what's uh, Canada's uh, beer of choice? Are Canadians beer drinkers? Or do you guys are more into hard stuff because it's colder over there? Uh, is no, that me being no. like very stereotypical because Russians drink vodka because it's cold over there to make them warmer? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of Ukrainians and Russians and Polish in Canada, so you know you can easily get a good vodka. But uh, no, people drink drink beer. What's, I mean, what's there the is Canadian, summer. What's the Canadian beer of choice? Um, uh, it depends on where you go. Obviously, like craft brewing is definitely been yeah. a thing the last 20 years but if you were just gonna go like what's the equivalent of you know a cooper's or what have you um although there's still drafts uh i'd say um alexander keith's and moosehead moosehead yeah that's very canadian yeah it sounds canadian doesn't it um we had a uh big rock brewery in Cal- calgary's one of the um kind of first uh independent um microbreweries um and they had a beer called grasshopper oh yeah nice and you'd have it with a slice of lemon but it wasn't like a corona it was so good <laughs> you implying coronas are not good um i'm just implying that 
<laughs> you know the old joke: if you have to put fruit in your beer, oh, be good. but anyway, all the shots being fired. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> look, I um, do like a Corona. Look, day. Coronas are a nice light beverage. Yeah, Corona. I'm not even sure a Corona should be be able to be called a beer. What it's so light. Oh, it's just so light. In flavor. In everything. <laughs> well, it's not light in alcohol. It's still four point six or something. I think. Is it? I think okay. so. It's not a mid strength. Um, there is a there is a joke about Canadians say about American beer. I've got to see if I can word it without being crass. Don't Americans drink their beer warm? Uh, no. You might be thinking. I mean, English ales are typically not served super cold. I don't think. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know these things. No, American beer is just um, <laughs> really weak. <laughs> so yep. they say um, it's like making <coughs> love. In and you thought you thought talking about Corona was going to be controversial. <laughs> no, I'm talking about beer. <laughs> it's turning down American beer. So yeah, making love in a canoe. I might have um, been hoping that Foster's would um, Foster's. What's that? I know what's Foster's. Um, what's that? Um, really generic American beer company. Foster's is. Australian. No, no, I know. Um, Budweiser. Budweiser. Here I was thinking maybe Budweiser would one day sponsor the podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, uh, there was Coors um, available. Yeah, Coors, yeah. Um, during the Super Bowl. Coors Light. Um, there are some Canadian companies that were bought out by um, American companies and people stopped drinking them. So like Canadian, Molson Canadian. Is Canadian dry Canadian? Uh, is that you ginger ale? Yeah. 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 You know how sometimes... It's got, a ca- it's got Canada yeah, you know, on but it. Sometimes, sometimes these companies and marketers, <laughs> just they just go for no, a thing. No, it is from You Canada. know, it's kind of like, um, I'm sure there's like... It's the best Like Taco Bell probably wasn't started by a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sp- sure that I can see the comparison, <laughs> but yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you, can you see where I'm stretching this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. It's, it is a, it, it is a Canadian yeah. company. Um, and it's the best ginger ale. Yep. Okay. Another controversial statement, <laughs> but it's just the best ginger ale. And there's another drink that you can get here in Adelaide that's very Canadian. And if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. Oh, okay. We're leaving so it at that? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to tell you about okay, it. Now we're going to know. Because right. it's interesting. All right. If you're listening, you're part of like the, the yeah. secret group. So if you go, so if you go to um, Chili Mojo's on McGill Road. What is that? Chili Mojo's is a little specialty store where you can buy hot sauces. Okay. Um, that are primarily from North America and Mexico and stuff like that. Yeah. So you import them all in. Um, the guy that runs it and his wife, I think. Um, I think he's originally from California. He thinks he's hot, hot stuff, doesn't he? Boom, boom, boom. Um, and uh, he knows a lot about hot sauce. <laughs> If you have a chat, sure it's does. actually very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But they um, they do have some other imported <coughs> American things there, um, like canned pumpkin that you can make pumpkin pie with um, for Thanksgiving. Um, but they have a drink called Mott's Clamato Juice. And what it is is the addo is obviously tomato or tomato. Oh, right? okay. And the clam from the Clamato is clam. Okay. It's actually like, kind of like vongole juice. Okay. Right. So it's. This I'm agreeing. Assuming the I know these. Th- I don't know what these things are. Uh, a clam is a <coughs> shellfish. No, no, I know what a clam is. It's yeah. Cla- so clam juice. Yeah. So it's like. Okay. It tastes like this a you're savory not, tomato you're juice. Not, you're not I'm not trying the, to sell it to you. You're not selling this to me. I'm not trying to sell it to you because I know you're not going to like it. Do people like it? Yeah, Canadians love it. Canadians love it. Okay. Yeah, you pour you pour vodka into it and you make a okay. Bloody Mary with there it. You go. And you rim it with uh, salt, pepper, celery salt. Yeah. You can get a special mm. little mix made up. And I, when I go and Google whatever I was going to Google, I can't remember now. I'll have to. You'll have to remind me. I was going to Google. Oh, hair tattooing. When I hair Google tattooing. hair tattooing, <laughs> later, maybe I can also Google um, uh, Caesars for you, and you can see how people like they'll put uh, like si- little s- like little Caesars. No, it's it's the name of the drink. Oh, okay. So yep. it's Bloody Caesar is another way that they call it. And they'll put things like uh, pickled peppers, um, a little hamburger. Okay. Uh, a chicken wing. I've seen anything dressing. Okay. A dr- it's a yeah. drink, though. It's a drink. And it is like a hangover drink, just yep. like a Bloody Mary, yep. essentially. There you go. Yep. We're just going to take a quick break. 
crew. Thank you very much for listening thus far, and we will come back and continue hearing all about Meg. And we are back in the little meantime. Uh, Meg's had a bit of a giggle, realizing what's going to happen to my hair when I tattoo it. <laughs> well, they can make you look more like Drake. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> you that's that's like a good thing. A straight across. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? So some, like, he was telling me that for me it'll work good because I have some, I have hair, yep. but it will just make it look dark in the places that are thinning out. Yep. But he's, my hairdresser, George, is bold, and he is really keen to just tattoo his hair so he has that sort of drag fade <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, mate, as a, as a hairdresser, I'm not sure you can do that. <laughs> like, um... So, <coughs> one of the many reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast, Meg, um, what? How do you prefer being called? I <laughs> do, do you prefer being called? It's a bit late to ask <laughs> me now. <laughs> <laughs> Only been at your gym for like <laughs> almost three years, I think. Um, I do you prefer Meg, um, Megan, or Megan? Well, I don't like Megan. Okay. Um, I've had I've had debates with people about this. Well, it's and not I, and my I've fault. I feel like I'm going to have to defend myself there. Yeah, okay. Like, if your name's Megan, then I'm not offended by that. It's just my name's Megan. Cause Do, are they meant to be spelled different or is it just how people say it? Uh, that's a controversial <laughs> question. <laughs> my name's spelled with an H, so it's phonetically Megan. Megan. Yeah, because the double consonants Meg make it a hearty Gun. Megan. Yeah. Um, whereas if you don't have that H, you could call it Megan, but I do know people back home because classically it is pronounced Megan in North America, hence Megan Merkel, right? You know, you know who? No? Okay. No. Nope. She, need, she, she married into the royals. She married uh, oh, okay. Harry. Yep. Um, and yes, yeah, oh, there's lots of controversy around her. Anyway. Are you cold? No, I'm fine. You're fine. Um, so I started calling myself Meg professionally uh, three or four years ago for two reasons. One, I always think that if you shorten someone's name, it's like your pals, right? So when people call me Meg, it makes me feel good because I feel like they're like, they like okay. me, right? Yeah. Um, I might start applying this to my name. <laughs> Would you call yourself Rue? Ra. <laughs> Ra. <laughs> I know somebody called Ra. Okay. I mean, he, they, they change their names. They, um, they're they like a bit of a guru and they had like a very traditional name, Ronnie. Yeah. Yep. Or Ronald, then became Ronnie and then became Ra. Okay. Well. I'm not sure that I will feel like people are my pals if they're calling me Ra. I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like I'll, I'll feel like I'm their guru, not their pal. Well, I don't know if it works with that name to be honest but i'm saying i think we always want what we don't have in life and i've never had nicknames yeah and i've really wanted nicknames but then Isn't i also funny i've had so many nicknames. you've had so many nicknames so many nicknames mm. and dave has had like very few nicknames yeah and he always says yeah i had a nickname and i go no you didn't that's your initials because <laughs> he goes oh people always call me dc and i'm like those are your initials oh. that isn't really a nickname i mean they could call him like davo is that a thing? Well, it's not really a nickname. This is just Australians, you know, being Australian. <laughs> no one's ever called him like Dazza or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's more of a Darren <laughs> thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, no, I get Megzy, which Megzy. is my yeah. Do you Austral like that? That's my Australian name. Yes, okay. I do like Megzy actually. So professionally, Meg. Yeah. Or if you're a pal, Meg. Yeah, I like you know I like Megan, but it's proven very <laughs> difficult to get people to call me that. Yeah. So that's why I just changed it. Megan. Okay. Yeah. What do I, do you know what I call, what do I call you? You change it every single time. <laughs> do I? Yeah. <laughs> do I say Megan? Yes, sometimes. Do I say Megan? Yeah, but that's the thing. Sometimes people that I've all have known them for a long time and they'll call me Megan. You shouldn't well, trust. Well, they'll introduce me as Megan you and I'm like, why are you changing my name I understand, now? but no one should ever trust anything I say because I, when I write on the whiteboard, yeah. I have... Small letters followed by big letters followed by cursive letters. Yeah, that doesn't really surprise me. Like, That's like you in a nutshell. It is exactly. That's how your brain works. I this think. podcast is how my brain works. Like I'm, I'm really... Yes, you we've digressed you over give, and over and over. You're giving That's me so right. many things that I want to go down and it's like, oh, fire right. out. That's all right. Stay, stay on track. So, okay. We've made it 45 minutes into the podcast, which is good. We actually get to ask you what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um, so, you have started a business. Yeah. Before we talk about what business you started, 
Um, what led you to want to uh, venture out on your own? O- on my own? Um. Is this something that you thought about for a long time? No. I had I had thought about it and then quickly shut it down that it was too risky. I'm a, um, I'm an interesting person because you I, are. I'm so, I sometimes seem very risk adverse and other times I seem like I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. But um, I do take measured risks. So I had to really think about it and do a lot of soul searching before I decided to do it. Um, but I haven't looked back and I'm really glad that I made the change. What profession are you in and how, okay, I will, we'll go this way. I've had quite a few people that I've tried to recommend to see you as a mortgage broker. Yeah. Um, and often what I have found is people don't know what a mortgage broker is or they yep. maybe they think that it's, um, something maybe like one of the many things that you guys do. They don't realize that you guys can do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like how to the, to the lay person out there, yeah, how, I like get how do you explain it? I get that. And I get the reservations. If you don't really understand something, then you can potentially be a little afraid of it. Right. So the first thing that I always want to highlight is that the, my customers don't pay for my services. I get paid by the bank almost as a subcontractor to do a job that they would have to pay someone else to do in-house, right? So they would have to have someone on yeah. staff <coughs> to do what I do. And that's exactly what I try and explain often to people when like, I suggest going to your services or to go yep. going to a mortgage broker. Because um, often it'll be like maybe younger people who need some financi- financial advice. Yep. And they often think that that financial advice will require financing. And I often try and explain that, hey, look, like just right. go there, like you... You, this is exactly why you should go there. Yeah. So I don't, I just have to be clear. I don't give financial advice. No, no. Yeah. Understand. I make uh, recommendations on lending options. Yeah. And so um, there are financial advisors. There's different types of financial advisors as well. Ones who can advise you about wealth or ones that can advise you about your superannuation and your insurances and things like that. But what I primarily do is work out your borrowing capacity, work out your needs and objectives in order to finance whatever you want to do in the best way possible for you. Best is always a difficult word. We're not supposed to use best, but in the most suitable way. So I have to have your best interest in mind when I make those recommendations to you. And if there's any conflict in that, any benefit to me, I have to disclose that to you. Yep. Okay. So is the majority people who come see you, are they like, you know, people wanting to get a house? Wanting to get a house? Yep. Um, Not just like get it from the side, like, you know, buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) So I have people who want to buy their first home, build their first home, who have a home and want to see if they can get another home, maybe an investment property, or they want to upgrade their home and they don't know if they can keep it or if they have to sell their home and how that might work how they might finance that next home and all the steps in between. So I'm a logistics person, I'm a numbers person, but primarily I'm a people person who needs to find out about you and what you're trying to achieve, not in just the short term, but in the longer term as well. Because there's certain things that we can set up that may impede your next step if we're not careful. Yeah, of course. Right? So having a good understanding of what all those things are is the very first step and then i do research and try and get the best products at the best rates or sorry the most suitable products (laughs) suitable rates um i know it's 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 (coughs) tricky when you're when you're in in an industry that's highly regulated you have to really watch the terms that you use so i apologize sometimes i'll say something and i like i like i like that i should i should explain um that way to prospects and like gymming or when people ask me about the podcast, I should be like, this podcast is suitable to you. (laughs) 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 This gym is suitable to you. Well, so I mean, this might be boring, but just um, very recently there was a change um, that primarily came from the Royal Commission that uh, mortgage brokers duty has changed to not um, suggest products that are not unsuitable. That was the word wording previously now it has to be in the customer's best interest 
and we have to prove that. And how we prove that is by having really in-depth conversations about financial goals and future asset goals and um, look at your overall profile of, you know, your savings. Do you have extra money? Will you have extra money? Lots of things to make sure that um, whatever we choose or recommend is in the best interest of the customer. What is, um, do people ever come to you for things that you don't do that people might think you do? Uh, is that a strange question to ask? I pro probably the opposite. Probably sometimes people will, I'll miss out on an opportunity <coughs> that someone doesn't think I do something. So What's I a will really common one for those? Uh, well, it could be anything from, you know, car finance to asset finance, um, even small commercial loans. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot available out there that we can What's a s what What is classified as a small commercial loan? Uh, so when we're talking about commercial property, it would usually be under a million dollars. I mean, I know that, but that's why I wanted to bring it up because people's perception of small yes, of course. is relative. It's probably right. So yeah, no, good point. Um, and so that's commercial property. And so that's like still a secured lending. There's also um, business lending. So cash flow finance for business as well. So if you needed to buy equipment or you wanted to hire more staff or you wanted to do a fit out or something like that, and there was a clear um, vision of how that was going to help grow your business, then you can do what's called cash flow finance to finance that project. And then once that growth in business occurs, you pay it back. So it's generally 24, 12 to 24 months finance. Yeah. Mm, interesting. How did you get into mortgage broking? Um, I worked um, in administration um, in finance for um, a non-government government organization working with um, refugees, asylum seekers. And... Um, You've done all the things. Yeah, I've kind of... That kind of person, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but I really do like mortgage broking, saying that. And uh, I, when uh, Brody was born, I was supposed to return to that job and the government funding <coughs> had been cut because we weren't uh, bringing um, boat arrival teenagers on shore anymore. Um, and so that program essentially dissolved and I went to work for my friend's mom as her administrative assistant um, as a mortgage broker. Um, and within just over 12 months, I started writing loans, which is essentially mortgage broking. Yep. Hmm. Uh, how has it been being in business for yourself now? Um, yeah, it's been really awesome. I have had so much support. Um, I had a, um, there was a, there's a local Facebook page, What's Up Teacher Gully, and someone had asked for a mortgage broker on that page. And um, when I worked um, as an employee on the other side of town, I would potentially get one or two mentions on, on that page. And on that feed, I think I got 14 or 15 different mentions. And it's it's interesting, like, the reach of that, because I've had a lot of people come and say, oh, I saw you mentioned so many times. and actually got a fair few inquiries out of that so oh awesome Very yeah good. all those things really make the difference is this the first time that you uh have, is this the first time that you have worked for yourself or have you worked for yourself in the past <coughs> no i've always been employed and i, n I never thought i would be self-employed what's it like being on the dark side <laughs> well you know what really the penny dropped my when i realized that one of the hardest things I found about being employed was not being the primary stakeholder, like having to answer to other people. Because I always treated it, I always treated everything I did like it was my own business. Mm -hmm. I always worked that hard, put in that much effort. Yeah. But maybe not with the same return, right? Yeah. So I kind of thought there's almost a middleman in there. If I just have to answer just to my customers, well, I do that anyway. You know, they're satisfaction is what drives me so 
just go straight to the source. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, <coughs> where do you see your business going in the next five years? Uh, I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't want to overthink it. Like, you Inter- know. Interesting for an overthinker. Yeah, I know. But some things I think you need to do intuitively. And like, especially when you've got so many other considerations like family and things like that. So one of the other drivers for me was just the ability to set my own schedule and to be closer to home, to be able to have more time with my family. And I've, I've achieved that. Um, and my kids are very thankful for it. So, you know, um, I don't want to miss their whole lives. The, it already feels like the first, you know, eight years or so have just flown, flown by. Um, so I'm sure the next 10 will probably, I mean, not that they'll be out of the home by 18. You're still at home, aren't you? I am back at home. <laughs> I am back at home. Or back. Or returned. <coughs> I'm going to have to move. That's what a lot of people are, are telling me is that they have to downgrade so that the kids can't move back into their home. <laughs> um, there you go. If people wanted to find you, Meg, how can they do so? Um, well, uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn or you can look me up on Facebook um, under my name, Meg Castledine. Um, do you have a business Facebook page? I do, yeah. So it's just Meg Castledine at Low Market. And um, email or Instagram? Uh, yep, meg.castledine at loanmarket.com.au. Um, I have a healthy mortgage is my handle on Instagram. Healthy mortgage. Yep. That's good. That can't that wasn't taken. Nope. That's great. There you go. Um, and yeah, other than that, you can find me at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, <coughs> um, what the last question will make it, I guess, life related again. Yep. Um, what, no, what did Corona teach you, but what did, what is Megan 2021? Like, what, what do you feel like you learned from 2020? Oh, <laughs> oh it's just painful. And like, it was steep learning curve 2020. And I don't want to wax too philosoph- like too much philosophy into it. It's just that, um, oh, I think it's that you can't always like instead of saying oh I appreciate my family so much I always appreciated my family I've got to be honest and I've always valued my time and their time Um, I think though we've been able to put ourselves in other people's shoes a little bit better through all of this Um, and I think that we still we still need to because you know, we've got the fringe starting in Adelaide here, and that's very fortunate. And and if we can do so safely, we should. But there's still people that are locked down. And like when I had my 40th, for example, I haven't posted many of those photos or anything like that on my social media, um, just out of respect for my friends who didn't have 40th birthdays this year. I think that's very respectful of you, Meg. Um, you are a good friend, a very kind soul, a great mortgage broker, and um, she might be very suitable to you. <laughs> so if you do have those needs and you live near Adelaide or in Adelaide, um, definitely go check her out. Thank you for your friendship and for this conversation. It's been really good. Uh, I've been trying really hard for us to make it to the one hour mark. We've got two minutes. That's all right. I feel like I have to apologize to you for what? the comment about living with your folks. Like, oh, no, it's okay. No. I'm sure they appreciate having no, you they, home. My, okay. I know your parents no, My parents well, love, they're very they, lovely. They, they, we have quite the dilemma. Like, I've, okay, I've had to leave home two times yep. now, three times. Every time it's hard work. Like, if you have, like, a Latino family, like, you'll know what I mean. Like... Oh my goodness, like it doesn't matter how old you are, like they're like, Why what have we done? Like get these emails, like, you know what, you know, we, we we cook your food, like we're good to you, like you haven't done anything. I just need my own space, you know, like for whatever that is, right? Like So it's not it's not returning home, it's getting out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh 
thank you for checking out this podcast today, crew, and any new listeners that maybe um, came to listen through Meg. Uh, please stay on and listen to other podcasts as they come out. They come out every Monday. Um, they will always be with interesting guests, whether it be talking about health, fitness, or business. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Or clam juice. Or clam juice. <laughs> Take care and peace out. Thank you very much for listening today, crew. I really appreciate that. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, like I said earlier, make sure to go and um, follow the podcast on Instagram at Better You Project Podcast. You can follow me at Raul CFTU. That's R A U L CFTU. And um, yeah, make sure to follow Meg as well um, if you're interested in her services. And that's pretty much it. All right, crew. Thank you for listening. Take care and peace.